They asked Willie Nelson uh, what he thought of the new country music. And he looked at him and he said, well, I don't know what it is, but it ain't country. <laughs> if Willie thinks that, that's fine enough for me. So. Well, the south side of Chicago, it's the baddest part of town. It's a terrible part of and town. And if you go down there, well, you better beware of a man named Leroy Brown. So who decided to choose the, the, the tracks you'd include in this latest album? Jenny and I did together. Are we broadcasting now? Or we do you? are. Oh, is it really? <laughs> um, my wife and I sat down and, and decided to do it ourselves. One of the things we wanted to do, this is a whole album of cover songs. Do you know what I mean by cover songs? Yeah, stuff you didn't write. That's right. Well, well stuff that's already out there. Yeah. And so some of it, I chose mine on stuff that people requested all the time from where I'm singing right now. And uh, I write songs, but I write them for myself. And when I die, there'll be just a pile of pages there. <laughs> people wondering what kind of a person would write stuff like this. But uh, And Jenny picked some of her favorite songs. And I think our next album will be, because we're already talking another one here, maybe stuff I have written for, for me. But the problem with that is they're personal. And I talk about things that uh, are near and dear to my heart at that time mm-hmm. in a song. They aren't Chris Christopherson or Willie Nelson type writings. I can tell you that much. At least uh, I don't think so. <laughs> One of my favorite people, the most frequent guest on the interview, I think. Well, I thank you. Neil Bogus is back. We, I love talking to you. Uh, let's do a little dance in here. Huh? Oh, yeah. This drinking champagne uh, from the pre-release of Neil and Jenny. It's kind of funny. I never heard this song until I saw you guys do it live in Twin Brooks. And I thought, I love that song. What's it called? Never knew. Drinking Champagne. Here we go. George Strait had a big hit with it, but he wasn't the first one. A guy by the name of Cal Smith had it, took it to number 35, but George Strait, I think, ran this one up to number one. Really? I love the song. You just can't help but want to dance. Yeah. conscience I guess though I must confess I never loved you much when you were mine so I'll keep drinking champagne feeling no pain till early morning if you're interested in Neil's history with music you can go back and find his previous episodes we had him and terry on we did. Uh, as sons of the west back then um you play at the orange blossom opry regularly down in i'm a host uh, florida for, yep uh, it's called weirsdale florida we like to joke about calling it weirdsdale but <laughs> well uh, you're there so it works out yeah my good friends uh uh when we were recording this, uh, Williams and Ree were there last night. Mm. And uh, this time of the year, we do shows four and five nights a week with a lot of the old country stars, uh, Mickey Gilly, Exile, Diamond Reels there tonight, um, Laurie Morgan. 
unless you follow country music, you probably don't know who those are. But there's a, those are big hits in the eight, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And uh, we pack them in. Really? Got 500 and some seats there. And we have comedy night and everything else. It's it's fun. So what is your role there? Do you just perform regularly or do you... I sing and then I, I produce the Thursday show. Yeah, okay. I'm the host. And the Thursday show is a uh, what used to be their old jam night mm-hmm. where anybody could get up and sing. And we've changed that since then in in that it's I guess you'd say it's juried now. So I listen to everybody before they get on the show. And I make a lot of friends and, and a few enemies that way. Uh, <laughs> it's very, I have a, a saying about this. The people who, who, how do I say this? The people who can't sing don't know they can't sing. Mm, that's <laughs> I've had right. that happen. Um, hey, that, that's actually a law of leadership. I don't know what I don't know. That's pretty good. I should write a song about that. There I don't you go. know what I don't know. Absolutely. I don't think anybody has. <laughs> so we came up with this idea of cutting a record. We've wanted to do it first time back in the studio. We've we've cut three albums before. Mm-hmm. This is the first one since 1978. All right. So since myself. it's been that long, man, technology's changed. Oh. So going back to you know back before I was born, um, when you did that previously, what's different in the studio? Just about everything except for the musicians. Um, it was tape back in the 1970s mm-hmm. when we did this. And, uh, of course, everything is digital now. Huge uh, screens like what you have here uh, to adjust the sound. Uh, they can do almost anything. It's incredible. Um, the way we did it, I took members of the band that normally play at the Opry itself, and they're all seasoned musicians, mm-hmm. And uh, asked them if they'd come over and uh, play on our record. And they graciously said yes, because we have our own recording studio down in there, mainframe studios if you need one. And Wait, uh, in, in the Opera House? Uh, or where? A, a man moved down there from, uh, his name is Nathan Smith. Mm-hmm. And for 30-some years, he had a studio in Nashville. And he just got tired of the Nashville running around and, and rhubarb and everything that goes with it. So he moved everything to Summerfield, which is just a few miles from Weirsdale. Mm-hmm. And he also serves as our uh, sound technician at the Orange Blossom Opry. So he's doing okay. this full time. And uh, we went over and just a really swell guy. Everybody's asking, well, you know, the guys that do the sound for all these records, they're the, I, I think they're not very heralded. Not a lot of people know who they are. So I put it in this perspective. He's he was nominated for two Grammys for his work with Dolly Parton. Mm. This guy knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's got thirty five years. So we brought a band in and we we did all of the music in one day. Really? And we were Jenny and I were exhausted. And then vocal they, tracks too? Nope, just okay. the music yeah. part. And uh, it, it takes a long time. It, we I think we worked eight hours on ten songs. And these were songs we knew. I couldn't imagine what it would be like without knowing them. <laughs> Did you play anything or just sing? Just sing. And we put that down, and then uh, we took take it home and practice singing. We went back a week later to put our vocal tracks down. And then we have another one where we call the do-overs, where we go in there and <laughs> miss the stuff we missed and all that. Mm-hmm. It's incre- I, I, I'd like to explain it, and you, you are very adapted at all of this, but you've got these big screens and everything is mic'd. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just incredible. Uh, they can pull one word out and change it in, change it. They can correct your pitch if you're off pitch. 
Um, they can make your song way down here or way up here. It's just incredible. And we had a we had a ball, but it would at the end I was really tired. And uh I asked them, I said, Is it like this all the time? And they said, No. When you write your own and the band doesn't know it. Mm. Now we started three or four days before the actual recording session. Um we we, we the guys play by charts, not by musical notes. They play by charts. A Nashville charting yep. session. Yep. Uh, which has been around for many, many years. i tell you a funny story. I got really chewed out one time by a guy by the name of Pee Wee King and Red Stewart. We were doing a show with them in New Berlin, Illinois. And they were old. This guy wrote, uh, oh, what's that song? I'm having a blank here. Um, the Tennessee Waltz. He wrote it. So he brought us all his charts, and we were a six-piece band, and we looked at him, and he said, you don't have any idea about a chart, do you? And I go, nope. I guess you'll just have to follow along then. He was a really nice guy, and but he was not happy we didn't know the charts. So, And I still haven't learned the charts. Well, because it, it's a number system. It's a number. Yeah, you know, and, and b- based on the key you're in, the number is the same. Yep. The numbers you just have to always know the same. Each. Yeah. So, so yeah. if you're playing in the key of E, one is E. Yeah. If you're playing in G, but then it, they get into this one minus something or other. Oh, brother! I and I don't know what that means. And I didn't want to ask them because I was afraid they'd say to me, "You better learn how to do it." <laughs> but we put all these down. We had marvelous guys uh, playing, the, and and they came back in after, like in the next couple of days to what they called layer it so where we had one uh bobby randall played uh he played uh lead guitar on this and also a fiddle and he came in and and there were places on here where uh he played harmony to himself mm. and would layer it with mm-hmm. another harmony so yep. there's some place where you hear three it's just violins. one guy doing it just one yep. guy did it but he did it the next day when we weren't, weren't there and all that uh bobby randall was uh he was one of the founding fathers of sawyer brown Oh. And then he went over and played for Confederate Railroad and all the old timers started. And Bobby will kill me if he hears I said old timers. <laughs> uh, but we had a, he was just a great musician. We had uh, Doug Stock was on the steel guitar, uh, marvelous guitar player, too. Uh, bass player was Kevin Kingston. And uh, oh man, there's some songs. Uh, we You played a little bit of Leroy Brown. We had a keyboard guy that mm. was second to none. His name is Dustin uh, Jenkins. And if I leave somebody out, I, I apologize. I'll have to think a minute. But these guys are pros, yeah. and they do sessions all the time on top of playing for the Opry. Really? Got another song? Uh-oh. You like this one. I stopped at a roadhouse in Texas A little place called Hamburger Dance I heard that old jukebox a playing a song called The Truck Driving Man Pour me another cup of coffee For it is the best in the land What's the goal with this record? To have fun for us. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever break even on it. <laughs> um, it was for us. Mm-hmm. It really was for us. Um, you know, if you do a new one and you've got all 
songs that you wrote, then you're obviously got to be out there selling it, whether to the major labels mm-hmm. and all that. That's what has changed a lot on how you promote records. Oh, yeah. Um, back in the old days, when we would release a single, uh, oftentimes a card would be sent to the radio station. And it was sent to the program director, and it would say, will play, won't play, maybe play, if, you know, what do you like about it? And we would cover something. It was a survey. It was a survey to see if they would play our record. And we did that for, I think we had five singles that we released. Um, you, You don't do that anymore because radio stations really don't have any choice of what they're playing anymore. Is that because they've consolidated so much? Yeah. In Orlando, there are, I think, 51 radio stations. 51. Yeah, and 25 of them, it's pretty evenly split. 24 are owned by one company, and 26 are owned by another company. And you go into the studios there, and there's nobody there. I mm-hmm. mean, it's <laughs> it's a machine talking for you and running the commercials and stuff like that. So that has changed. Uh, I'm a weirdo because I saved every single card that came back. You have them still? I still have them. And it's fun to look at them and go, oh, wow, that's what... But they sent them <laughs> everywhere, and it was up to us to, to promote it, mm-hmm. uh, to stop into each radio station. If you stopped in right now, and I don't know about KMSD, that's different, that's a small town, but if you... Yeah, but they're still owned by a bigger... Uh, yeah, you're not going to walk into WCCO Radio or mm-hmm. something, or KFGO, I don't think, in Fargo. And say, uh, can I talk to your program director and would you play my record? <laughs> yeah. That's not going to happen. How much of that is ba- is because of the royalties and the, the payment schedule? Well, they don't make as much on a record as they used to, I mm-hmm. don't think. Uh, you know, you can download, and ours will be available at some point too, you can download at it, download a single mm-hmm. off it or the whole album. But I know that you have to have thousands of hits to... Uh, to, buys, get any, right. to get any yeah. kind of money at all. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to have CDs made. We're going to have, uh, what'd you call it, jump? A thumb drive. A yeah. thumb drive. Yeah. That's how they're selling mostly in private. You know, you can't mm-hmm. buy a car mm-hmm. with a CD player anymore. You got to use a jump drive to play it. So <laughs> a lot has yeah. changed. A lot has changed. But we did this for fun, back to your original question. And you're the first place to debut this record. Fantastic. And it's not even for sale. <laughs> not yet. See, this is a sneak peek. A sneak peek. Sneak peek. Uh, favorite song on the album? Ain't it funny how time slips away? Really? Yes. Why? That's the name of the album. Well, hello there. My, it's been a long, long time. You're seeing that girlfriend for the first time in a long time. How am I doing? Oh, I guess that I'm doing fine. It's been so long now, but it seems now that it was only yesterday. Gee, ain't it funny how time slips away. Are all these in the public domain at this point, or are they all still owned and you have to license them to do a I cover you, album? Uh, we licensed them. Uh, licensed them. I'll get that out. <laughs> um, I think that the radio sa- or the record companies aren't really interested in the, the, the local people doing what mm-hmm. they do. I mean, these are not made for being hit records. Well, I'm making as if they're brand new. Right. Because uh, we, we've got you know a lot of people in it. 
Um, I haven't heard anything from him yet, so... <laughs> if you're now you will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, like, I like songs that, we're, that talk to you. Mm-hmm. And you asked me about... This is one of my favorite songs because it is a one-on-one between... Uh, could be a girl and a boy or a boy and a girl, but it's somebody that they hadn't, haven't seen in a long, mm-hmm. long time. So how you doing? Oh, my, you know, and it talks. Willie Nelson could only write a song like this, and that's who wrote this mm. one. Does any new music do this? <laughs> no. I, I see a lot of it recorded. Mm-hmm. This is the old country style. Yeah. The new country... Boy, there's hip hop into it. Yeah. And yeah, it's like pop music. Yes. I don't think you'd. This is me talking, so if somebody else hears and disagrees, that's fine. Uh, I don't listen to the new country because it's it's not country to me. Um, I'm not going to buy my tractor. My tractor doesn't think I'm sexy. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to buy a bottle of beer. Uh, although country had that in their mm-hmm. thing. But I, the hip-hop beat in it just doesn't work for me. And a lot of it is just tracks. There's not a real drummer there. It's just boom, 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 boom with words to it. So, hmm. But I talked to a DJ down in Sioux Falls uh, at one of the big country stations down there, and he said, you wouldn't have a ch- if it was brand new, you wouldn't have a chance to play because this is not what they're playing. Oh, it's the wrong genre? Yep. Well, it's... They're playing country, but who knows what it's really called. <laughs> they asked Willie Nelson uh, what he thought of the new country music. And he looked at him and he said, well, I don't know what it is, but it ain't country. <laughs> if Willie thinks that, that's fine enough with me. So, so. He fascinates me because I've never ever been a fan of his sound, like his his vocal sound. Yeah, but the dude can write. He can write, and he's wrote so many great songs. I often wondered because I'm not a songwriter uh, per se. Where do the ideas come mm-hmm. from? Obviously, it must be life experiences, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good thing we're not on video here. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna write a song about about. Uh, sitting and talking with you for an hour so that'd be great all right because you you've given me a lot of ideas about songwriting so i like it (laughs) (laughs) it is fun to come out here and talk with you and i'm serious i love coming back to millbank and and uh, seeing how it's changed and and stuff like that well it's been so fun because you know the show has kind of grown pretty drastically in the last year um you know a lot of it i just started i wanted to change the format into expanding it to people that I'm that are doing things that uh, are fascinating to me you know wherever they're at in the world and and there's a lot of things like I'm working on an interview right now with uh, a, a really um, high-end if there's such a thing uh, bartender a mixologist down in uh, Fort Worth area um, cool genius I got to hang out with him for a couple hours uh, a few weeks ago and I mean I'm just he's like how nerdy you want to go nerdy go for it yeah. And just the depth of knowledge that this guy has for the con- the, the the whole industry of cocktails is fascinating to me. So that would work on I, that. It's crazy. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah, and you know, you and we started with you because of your connection to Millbank back 
geez, was it 2018? Yeah, the first interview, 19, somewhere in that range. It goes fast. <clears throat> yeah. And um, it's just been weird. But the whole point is I want to be able to talk with people from around the world about things they're doing. Um, I still prefer in studio, though. And so yeah. I, I love when you can come back here because it's, having this face-to-face conversation is better. The most difficult conversation I ever had when somebody wasn't there is I interviewed the professor from Gilligan's Island once. This was on KMSD. And he had just wrote a book about it. But we could only, obviously, because he lived in Washington mm-hmm. or Oregon, one of the places, phone call. and do it on the phone. And it was... When you can't see mm-hmm. them and see their reactions, mm-hmm. it makes for a much diff- more difficult uh, conversation. Yeah. It really does. Well, the last episode we had on this podcast was uh, a, uh, a young guy in India. Uh, and he's a YouTube star and a, a Photoshop master. So he does his entire YouTube channel is um, tutorials on how Photoshop works. Really? Phenomenal. I should have looked at that. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um, but it was cool because he was in India and I was here and we, we use Zoom so we have that visual connection. And, you know, first when he started the call, he didn't have his camera on. And I asked him, you know, could you, you know, do you have a camera? Can we do that? And I said, I, it, I don't use it for the podcast, but it's easier to have that visual connection when we talk. Right. And it made a difference. Definitely. That's cool. Well, yeah. I love coming here. Um, I always, you and I talk once in a while, and, I'm, and now you're going to come down and see me in Florida, Absolutely. so I'd like that. We have been cold down there. Now, cold is relevant. Uh, it is relevant. It's going to be cold relative. tonight. Yes. But, uh, 50, we had a week of 55, 56, 57 degrees, which you guys would be walking around without, I almost said clothes. <laughs> most, most clothes, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are some people. People find it interesting down there. Uh, Lot, most of my friends have never seen snow. I mean, they don't really. Don't, nope. Like they have no idea what snow is. That's wild. Uh, well, they have an idea, uh, right? When but... they when they asked me what's it like, I said it's cold. <laughs> you know, they know what that is. <laughs> Go into the freezer, um, and there it is. But uh, you you got a nice warm day coming up here. Well, today it looked like it was above freezing for a yeah. minute. Saw yeah. some dripping snow out there. Did I? Can I tell the story about what happened to me yesterday when I flew here? Oh yes, I saw that. So, so I, all I see is a picture of Neil. Taking a picture of his himself in the airplane uh, and lamenting. What were you lamenting? Being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of well, I'll, I'll tell you the the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. So I got to the Orlando airport, and by the way, there's a non uh, direct flight now from Orlando Airport to Sioux Falls. Really? Yeah, Frontier has started uh, Fridays and Mondays or something like that. Wow. Cheap fares. Oh, really? my gosh. It was like $78 round trip. Can't beat that. That's crazy. So I got to the airport, got all my stuff. I was so proud because I would already printed out my ticket, and I didn't have a suitcase, and uh, got to the line and looked up and saw that it was 30 minutes to get through the TSA line. But it went fast. Got up there, and uh, normally I've been flying through uh, where you're pre-check, mm-hmm. so you don't have to do all that stuff. Well, this time I wasn't, so the gentleman asked me to take off my shoes and my jacket. So I took off my shoes and my jacket, and then I had a neck pillow. And the guy in front of me had seven baskets full of stuff to put in. <laughs> he and his wife were busy. So we got through the checkpoint there and where everything comes out on the other end there. And uh, the gal over there on that end started 
the TSA agent said to him, will you please hurry up? You're holding up the line. And, and he said, ma'am, I'm going as fast as I can. I've got seven of these baskets. Well, then pick them up and take them over there and get them out of our way. Well, that shook Neil Boggess up Uh because I was standing right beside him and I saw my suitcase coming through. So my little travel suitcase and I grabbed that and took off. Not thinking because what I did is when I gave him my, when, when he told me to take my jacket off, I put that in with my little suitcase right on top of it. He had taken it oh, off of that, right. put it in another bin along with my neck pillow. Didn't know it. So shot through there, got my shoes on. Uh, you have a tram that you have to run mm-hmm. right out to the airport, uh, to the uh, loading docks, whatever they call them. More used to trains, I guess. The terminal. Terminal. There you go. Got out there. It's almost and, like you're going to die when you go there. Oh, man. It's it terminal. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like. <laughs> anyway, I said, that was a good one. I sat down there and I'm going, it's cold in the airplane. And I go, cold? And I didn't have my jacket. Oh, no. And Flying uh, to the frozen tundra. Yeah. Yep. So I waited. <laughs> I didn't buy one when I got off in Sioux Falls, neither. I waited till the sun went down. <laughs> I'm stubborn. Um, you called to, to Lost and Found. You're not talking to anybody in Orlando about Lost and Found. Really? You have to go online and describe it. And I talked to uh, one of the people that worked there, and I said, so jokingly, I said, what do you think the odds of me getting my jacket back? And he said, uh, well, let me tell you this. How many thousands of stuff do you think we take every oh, day? No, I bet. And I'd seen TV shows about it, how they have mm-hmm. a sale once a year or something. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable, the stuff left just in one day. So I got me a nice comfy jacket. What a way to start <laughs> off, huh? Are you still uh, train conducting at all? Not very much. I dream Are you about train it. consulting still. I tell you, the music has kind of taken over my life. I'm living back in the <laughs> '70s again, '60s and '70s again. Um, I ha- I do have to mention Joe Campbell. There's a lot of people who remember him. Joe, a uh, very accomplished musician from mm-hmm. Millbank, and uh, he came over the other night, and I'm going to get him to come on my show down there. And our show, by the way, is broadcast live. Really? Yeah. Where? On on our website. Okay. And then uh, once it's off the air there, then they move it over to Facebook where it lives forever. Facebook or YouTube? Facebook, I think. Okay. I, I think. Um, they messed around because of all the copyright things mm-hmm. and all that. Yes. The Opry has, they pay money to ASCAP mm-hmm. and BMI yeah, but and those all those. Platforms don't usually care. No, don't mess with that though. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, it might be YouTube, too, but I think it's Facebook. Uh, I think I go th- to the app mm-hmm. on Facebook. Okay. And it's just the Orange Blossom Opry Showcase, and you can get it. Great stars. Uh, we've even been broadcasting the uh, the major stars coming in. And uh, the What's pan- the fee to get in the building? Um, Does it cost to go see it every, every uh, week? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fifteen. Twenty dollars, okay. something like that. the The big stars are a little bit more, mm-hmm. but they have a four. You know, as how close you want to sit to each to the stage. The most I've ever seen it was like forty dollars, and that was in the front front two rows. All right. So, as an insider, mm-hmm. where's the best place to sit for the best experience? Right in the front row. Really? Oh, I love that. Yeah, but does the sound as good up front? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I uh, in that looking at that, I would say about row I. So what is that? Row ten, something, whatever the yeah, right in the middle. What a sound system! Really? It's it's incredible, and they got the best light system. Boy, I'll tell you, it's pretty cool when you're sitting there singing a song and there's smoke coming around yeah. and uh, all kinds of stuff. 
It's a great theater. Great. Seats 550. Is it just music or do they do uh, actual stage performances? We don't do any also. stage performances right now. Uh, we do com- com- comedians that mm. come in. Uh, Williams and Rhea, I told you about. J.J. Walker from the old uh, TV show was in. Uh, Jeff Allen was just there. Um, one night, stand-up comedians, and they do good. They, so regular once a week, there's a comedy night? Most of the time, Okay. Yeah. It's fun. Is it a sold-out house most, mostly? or The big stars sell it out. Yeah. Yeah, they sell it out, and uh, gosh, we, we have a. They all eat with us, so I, I get the opportunity to sit down and have supper with oh, these cool. people. And it's, I don't take pictures of that because I want I want to give them a feeling that you know they got some place. Right. So I'm not going to tell you who I'm talking about, but uh, some of these people are getting up in age, and I was <laughs> sitting there, and this elderly gentleman, this was back in our kitchen area came and sat with me, and he said, do you mind if I eat with you? And I said, no, and I didn't really recognize him. And uh, we were eating away, and we were just doing small chit-chat and all that sort of stuff. And I said, well, I got to get on stage. And he says, okay, I'll see you in a little bit. And I'm walking up there, and I'm thinking, I should know him, but, boy, that guy looks so old, he ain't never going to be able to sing. And if I told I, – I, I, I just can't. I can't tell you who it was. At any rate, they announced him. And uh, he came out there, and he looked—he—he he looked the same, but he had the energy really? of a twenty-five-year-old guy, and he's jumping around. He does this hour and fifteen minutes up and down on the stage, out in the audience, talking everything. I mean, it's just incredible. <laughs> An hour and fifteen-minute show. Went back for the encore, another fifteen minutes, hour and a half. I'm standing in the back when he gets off, and I'm thinking, this guy looked like he was dead before the show. You know, <laughs> he comes off and. He's wiping the sweat off, and he turned to me, and he said, Whew, I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> but he loved it. He's coming back this year, wow. you know? So it's, hmm. it's a fun business to be in. You're a showman. You like shows, too. I like produce them, mix yeah. them. You would have loved the Orpheum Theater in Ortonville. That was an old vaudeville theater. Mm. It was called the Metropolitan Theater. And if you went downstairs in the basement, that's beneath the stage was all of the uh, dressing rooms. And I never touched them. They were, the chairs were still there. The sinks were still there. And I looked it up to see what stars. And it was part of the Orpheum Theater circuit. Really? Of the vaudeville circuit. So you name it, they, they appeared in there. Where was that? Uh, well, it was right across from the old hotel there. Uh. Um Yes. It, there's a sign there that says Metropolitan. They saved that. Okay. But th- that burned down, I believe. Right? No, they tore it down. Well, oh, the did. hotel did. Well, the hotel did, but hotel. Did, didn't the theater burn down, or is that a No, no, it didn't. Okay. I, I'll say this real quickly. I gave the theater to the city of Ortonville. I thought they were going to restore it, but they, they collapsed it. And it had a marquee on it of seven different neon lights. I've got pictures of it. It was just a stunning thing. I'm not blaming them. I mean, you do what you have to do. It had a balcony for about 200 people and another four or 500 on the floor with the comedy and the tragedy painted on the mm-hmm. walls. The stage was huge, huge. If you looked up in it, you would you could see some of the old props that would drop down, the backdrops of it. That was all in there. <sighs> and uh, I decided that we had plenty to do over here in Millbank with our theaters. So that was a, I mean, that's not a big town. It never has been. How, like, there was an era, a time in history in America 
where that was the thing. The stage was a big deal. Like even in, in Millbank, where the studio is here, uh, right next door to the north of me used to be the Chateau Theater. Yep. And then where you were yep. was the DeFay Theater yep. across the street. And that was built in 1948. <clears throat> okay. So what what was it that caused that to be such a big deal? And then why did it die? TV. Really? Yeah. TV. Uh KDLO out of Garden City, Channel 3, went on the air, I think, in 1955, 56, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think television did them in. Um, I've seen thing, pictures. Can you imagine when uh, the old I Love Lucy show, when she, you're probably too young to remember this, but she had Very. literally had the baby on screen uh, as best, the, mm-hmm. not, I mean, it was day and date. And I think that still holds the record for percentage of television sets tuned to one program. And really? it was 60, 70. The old Amos and Andy radio show mm-hmm. was so popular that they stopped the movies if you, and vaudeville and would play it live for the people through the radio system so they could hear Amos and Andy. But television was the final People ask me a lot about uh, the drive-in theater, mm-hmm. what killed it. And a lot of people will say, well, was it uh, VCRs or streaming or something? No, it was daylight savings time as far as I was concerned. We couldn't start our movie until 10 o'clock. And then we ran double features, so I would get home at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I think I think that had a lot to do with it. Well, that that makes more sense than anything, mm-hmm. just the fact that, you know, it's it's it only works when it's dark out. Yep. Yep. So is there a a draw for some of that? Because you go into some of the urban areas, and they still like the theater's still a big deal. It's a yep. big part of the of the local thing. I mean, even Broadway in New York is still yep. a thing. Yeah, uh, kind of. I I do think that the the pandemic response by the New York uh, government has really harmed it, and some say it will never come back the way it was. Um, but possible, I guess. But you know what? The the craving there's something in all of us mm-hmm. that wants to see live entertainment. Ooh, what is that? Because you're right, there is that, and I, I think we see that in uh, stage, we see it in music performance, mm-hmm. we see it in in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about humanity that we want to see action? What is it? I don't know. If I did, I'd be a multimillionaire, I guess. But I th- I think you're right. Uh, you know, Broadway actually is stronger before the pandemic than it was, say, in the 40s and the 50s. Part of that, is, I mean, money-wise, because mm-hmm. the tickets are so expensive. But people paid for it. They would pay cheapers. Michael Bublé is out there still doing live concerts, mm-hmm. and his tickets are not cheap. Yeah. They're three $400 a piece on some of the places. So... Uh, who was uh, Dwight Yoakam, a country star, was in Florida, and, and his tickets were like 300 bucks. Are you kidding? No. Wow. <laughs> huh. So, I don't know. The The live performance, you know, we have, we have a joke. Thank you for um, helping a starving musician by paying <laughs> by buying a ticket. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the pandemic has been really hard on everybody in the entertainment business. But, yeah. Well, because it, it requires a, a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know quite a few people still that have drive-in theaters and they've had two or three fairly good years really? because in your car, you're kind of, yeah. you know, you've know you got the social mm-hmm. distancing and all that sort of stuff. So you're still there, but uh, 
You'll see. And the live music, at least at the Orange Blossom Opry, is doing very well. So, Well, I, I do know that the, the concert is where money's made now. Yes. In music. Yeah. It's the show. It is the show. And they're more than just the performer mm-hmm. walking out there mm-hmm. to perform. Yeah. There's so much more that goes with There's light shows. Um, oh, I, yeah. Earlier, you and I were talking about Chris Stapleton, you know, and I, that he's got featured on the front of the uh, production Sound and Light magazine for this yep. year or the, in January. And, you know, their show, it's multi million dollars of production to make this concert work. So, yeah. And They're talented, no doubt. Of course, that's why the ticket is so high. Exactly, yeah. But it's a show now. It isn't some guy just walking mm-hmm. out to sing a yeah. few songs yeah. or tell a couple jokes. It's a show. Mm-hmm. And you've got, I mean, I remember when fog machines came out. That was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. You know, you had real fog on there and all mm-hmm. that. They're way past those. Oh, yeah. Well, and now it's a hazer. And the whole point is to put atmosphere in the air so then you see exactly. what the lights are doing. And then that, that gives you that really third dimension of all like you you get to see the stage area in 3d rather than just people that's right and the and the lighting is insane some of these lights i mean i i do some of this on the side so i i have a little bit in the industry some of those light fixtures are 10 grand a piece you know some of them i've seen up as much as twenty thousand dollars per light because of what they can do the control surfaces they run on are hundred thousand dollars that's not that's not sound yet. Then no. you get into the sound world, and it's all that again. I borrowed uh, a guitar the other day from uh, Bobby Randall, and I said, "Can I use your guitar?" And so I just I put it strapped it on and all that, and I said to him, "How much does this guitar cost?" <laughs> and he said, "Be careful." Oh no! <laughs> I said at that seven thousand bucks. Whoa! Yeah, but a good guitar. What was it? Oh, I don't even remember to tell you the truth. I was just so in awe playing something oh, like this. that was awesome. It was just incredible. Well, it, it, it's like a good piano. Yes, but it, it sure played better than my $125 guitar, you know, and I thought that one played good. Mm-hmm. It almost fretted the, the <laughs> frets by itself. So, right. Anyway, I thank you very much. I've, Absolutely. I love this. Do you have, uh, put your hand in the hand. I do. Cued up. Let's let's end with that. This is Jenny. Here, I'll do it like I'm on a radio station. Uh, right. Ah, we got a brand new record here. I'm gonna spin for you right now. Debut of Jenny Blocker, and put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the sea. Holy book, I want to tremble 
Neil Bogus, thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure. It's always fun. Come and see me in Florida. I will do it. I love it. Uh, we've been asked to come back to the threshing show. Really? Yep. And I think we're going to do that. Fantastic. A few things I'll do different this time. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Bogus. Thank you uh, very much. I appreciate it. This is the interview. Thanks for hanging out with us. Remember, if you want to help support the show, you can always do that. Go to whymillblank.com. Click on the podcast button. There's a donate option. You get to choose the value that you get out of the show, and you can send it back to us. Thanks a lot. We'll wrap this up with Jenny. Jenny.